I hope you noticed that we asked everyone to take a machzer. And I want to explain why. You, you would think it's rather strange if this is a topic about Tanakh B'Shanah, studying the Bible, what book should we be giving out? A Tanakh. And if anyone abroad, that's very good. However, most shuls, maybe in 10 years will be different, most shuls don't have Tanakhim. The reason I'm, bring, I'm beginning with a machzer, because one of the earliest commentaries and I think the most authoritative commentary on Tanakh is the Siddur. I'll repeat that to make sure it's clear. Something you probably never thought of before. But the Siddur and the Machzer are one of the best commentary, commentaries on Tanakh. It's not a Pasuk by Pasuk commentary that we're used to studying. It's not like Rashi. But what Rabbi Septimus was talking about, it's a commentary about themes in the Bible. Because almost everything we do when we daven relates to themes in Chumash. If you want to do it sort of in a cute way, Everyone in Shul has two books in front of them. There's a Chumash and a Siddur. In one book, God talks to man. In the other book, man talks to God. You guess which is which. <laughs> but if you want to appreciate how we talk to God, you have to understand how God talks to us. And we're going to see, we'll bring several examples today, that there's many mega-themes that are crystal clear in Davani, especially Rosh Hashanah Davani, and their source is smacking Chumash. We have a source later on, to run off a couple extra. Um, I want to begin with a little conversation I had with Rabbi Septimus. When he called me planning it, um, you know, working on budgets. And he says, if it comes to advertising, all the money you need. Because that's the instructions he got from Mr. Anonymous. There's Mr. Anonymous who's behind this thing. I have no idea who it is. And I told Rabbi Septimus, I have a hunch he's a businessman. Because he said right away, when you budget yourself, put a lot into marketing. Rabbis don't think that way. Businessmen think that way. I want to use that model, though, to explain what we're going to do tonight in tonight's lecture. I want to describe one of the biggest marketing schemes ever created. Which I'm going to use that model to explain the, the most underlying theme in Chumash. What product are we trying to sell? The concept of God. Who's our target audience? Who are the consumers? Mankind. And what are we trying to do? The strategy is... How am I going to get the concept of God to mankind? The original plan was, you don't need any marketing. What will happen? Create man with, in the image of God, and what should man know how to do? Man should find God naturally. He should know what's right and wrong. He should realize there's a, a creator. It, it just didn't work. And instead of things going good, the first several stories in the Bible is how man consistently upsets God. Ganeden, remember, there's a sin. Kind and Hevel, right away, there's a sin. The whole generation of the flood, things go bad, and to, we get to the point that God decides, I'm going to recreate. But I go hit the reset button. In light of that, we start over again. We have another sin, the Tower of Babel. And those 11 chapters in Bereshit, in the beginning of Chumash, form the background for God's marketing scheme, which I call, how am I going to get the concept of God to mankind? The plan is as follows. I'm going to enter a covenant and enter a relationship with the nation. And the job of that nation is going to be to bring the name of God to mankind. I'm going to use that idea to explain not only half of Tanakh, but also half of Davani. For sure, Rosh Hashanah. I'll give you one example. A part, uh, actually, as long as you have your matzer, before you get the source sheet, open up in your matzer. If, if I want to identify where, what's Rosh Hashanah about? So what's the main section of Tzvila? If I, what section of Tzvila is the main, is the main part of davening? 
Amidah. Amidah Shmon Now, in Shmon every Shmon has three, three opening blessings, the three last blessings. That's standard. But what blessing is unique to Yom Tov? No, no. But in general, what, what blessing? The middle blessing. I'm, I'm asking simple questions. The middle... Remember, there's, there's seven blessings on, on Yom Tov? In Shabbos? The middle one is for, is for Yom Tov. And if I want to find out what is the day about any Yom Tov, the topic of the day is going to be in that last bracha. Make sense? Now, Rosh Hashanah Musaf, like you said, we, instead of seven, there's, there's nine, because we have Machiot Zichron and Shofra. We'll get to that soon. But I want to understand the main bracha that we say every, every Shmonesra. How does every Yom Tov Shmonesra begin? Atevachatanu is a beauty. If you want to, if you don't remember it by heart, you can just take a look inside. Uh, it's on page three, seven, oh, for a second. 203. If you have a Tanakh, it's based on Dvarim Terek Yud. But we all know it by heart. What first point are we making? You chose us from all the nations. You chose us out of love. You wanted us. An important point though, which I'm going to return to, sometimes that's understood that God needs someone to love and therefore He chose us. That's what's God going choosing? He wants someone to love and therefore He chose us because He wants someone to love. If you follow Chumash carefully and what we're going to say, it's quite the opposite. God doesn't need someone to love. God wants a nation to represent Him. God wants a nation to work for Him. It'll, it'll be in the next line. And out of love, God decided to pick us over anybody else. But the purpose of the relationship was to find a nation that's going to serve Him. Why did He pick Avram Avinu over anybody else? According to Chumash, out of love. Now, what caused that love? There's tons of Midrashim. They explain what's special about Avram Avinu. But in Chumash, it was out of, out of love. And you elevated us from among the nations. You elevated us and you made us special by giving us mitzvot. Now the key line. Why did you bring us closer to you? Why did you enter this relationship? Why did you bring us to Harsina? Remember the Dayenus? Even if you only brought us closer, that's enough to say thank you for you brought us closer for what reason? The reason you chose us and you entered this relationship was so that we can serve you. Finish it for me. Which means, your reputation, your name, your reputation is, right, is associated with us. The, the plan seems to be that the reason why God chose us is in order to make His name known. Let's go to the Khatima of, um, of Shachris. Which is the same as, as Machuyot later on. Look at the last bracha. Again, I'm assuming if you listen to Chazanas, you all the words will ring a bell. We're praying not for ourselves here, we're praying on behalf of God. What's our prayer on behalf of God? What's that mean? We're hoping you become king over all mankind. Finish with what? Yomar kwasher neshama biapo. What should every living thing say? Hashem elokei Yisrael melech. What do we want every living person to say? Where's that phrase from? Kwasher neshama biapo. Again, this is this is commentary on Chumash. Why that? Why those words? Kwasher neshama biapo. Neshama biapo. Where's that from? We're in Breshit. In chapter two, when God creates man and Eden. Every living thing should say, Hashem Elokei Yisrael Melech. Who's Hashem Elokei Yisrael? 
Who's Hashem? We want the non Jew to say, the God that the Jewish people are talking about, who is he? He's the king. Isn't God always a king? God's all powerful, isn't he? Why isn't God king all the time? By definition. Why can't God make himself king? It has to do with the definition of the word. Because if you don't have subjects, you're not a king. You can be the most powerful God. Capital G or small g. You can be the most powerful ruler. And control everything. You can run the entire show. But if no one knows that you're pulling the strings, you're not the king. What do we say all year long? Hashem is always a kelakadosh. What happens on Rosh Hashanah and Kippur? He becomes a melakadosh. What enables us to say a melakadosh? What do we do? We anoint him. That was the coronation ceremony taking place in Davening. We're the first of all the nations to declare his kingdom. That idea of making a name for God, we're going to see how it develops as a, as a megatheme in Chumash. I just want to bring one or two more examples, um, and then we'll see the, the source inside. To explain Rosh Hashanah Davening a little bit better, a little bit clearer, and see how it relates to the, because the main goal, remember the title? How Tanakh B'Shanah explains how we daven on Rosh Hashanah. I want to follow that title. The easiest way to understand Rosh Hashanah Musaf, which is like really long, and most of it's like flipping pages, but everyone sometime in their life, when they were young, was startled at something in Rosh Hashanah Musaf. Right? At a young age, what's the first thing that catches you totally by surprise in the middle of Musaf and Rosh Hashanah? Aleinu. Because Aleinu is usually a signal, light at the end of the tunnel, worse is over, kiddush, something's coming. <laughs> All of a sudden, the middle of Shmon Esrei, hours to go, Aleinu. And then do you bow down? Don't you bow down? Everyone's, what's going on? Anyone know the real history? Aleinu was written for Rosh Hashanah Davening. The original Aleinu was composed for Rosh Hashanah Davening. That's like 2,000 years, at least. According to Chazal from the time of Yeshua. But historically, it's a good couple thousand years old, from the time of the Amorim already. About 800 years ago, and actually they began a beautiful custom to say after every single tefillah. But Elena was written, not for the end of davening. Elena was written, and not for junior participants. It was written for Rosh Hashanah. Where in Rosh Hashanah davening is it? I'm going to use an analogy from tic-tac-toe, which will explain how this... I'm sure you're familiar with this. If you're not, you should be. There's three major sections on Rosh Hashanah Muqsaf. Everyone knows them by heart? Malchiot, Zichonot, and Shofrot. Now, each section ends with, when we finish each section, we blow Shofar. And then Hayamurat Olam, etc. Before we blow Shofar, what do we do? We daven. But what do we say before we blow Shofar? We have to, we have to quote Temp Sukim. That fits into Tanakh B'Shana. Where did the Sukim come from? Three from Chumash. Three from Tilim. Three from Navi, and the last one is always going to come in from Chumash. Remember? Three, 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 plus one. But we don't just say the Psukim. Because we're davening, and it's liturgy, and it's beautiful, there's a beautiful poem, a piyut, that introduces the topic. Understand that? Before I begin the Psukim, before I begin the verses of, Zich- of Machiot, I have a beautiful poem that introduces the theme. Then I quote the ten verses, and then I have what's called a Khatima. Usually, and I have the beautiful ending like we just read. And then I make the bracha. And then I blow shofar. That's the tic-tac-toe. Introduction, psukim, chatima. From machiot, zikronot, and shofrot. What I want to show you is what is the introduction to machiot? What poem introduces machiot? You can guess now. 
Aveinu. Aveinu is the introduction to Malfiyot. Simple as that. Zichro begins with Atas Ocher. We'll point out, if I take a look at it, it's right in page, right there anyhow, page 334. 333. Because in Musaf, what do we always do in Musaf first? The main goal of Musaf is to talk about if we had a Beit HaMikdash, what offering we would bring. And then we say, Remember that? Now, I'm going to take a little break just for the fun of it. Everyone knows that by heart? Are you familiar? It's because of our sins. Just finish it for me. Now, I just found a mistake in your mafsa. Take a look at it. Look in your mafsa. Page 331. Look at 331. Tell me what words are missing here. What should it say now? What's it say here instead? Why did this master make a mistake? You all know it by heart. Anyone knows what's happening? Because on Rosh Hashanah, there's no obligation for Aliyah the Regev. It's so simple, isn't it? I just want to bring an example. What I call Havana as opposed to Kavana. I'm going to play this game the rest of the night. We all dabble with Kavana. What I'm going to talk about tonight, if you understand how Tmach works, you can dabble not only with Kavana, but also with Havana. Havana is Havana, is understanding. And to make Havana real, Havana really helps. Um, I'll give you an example. The Lambatsiach before we say, before, before we blow shofar. Remember? Seven times. Everyone says that with Kavana, right? I've been giving, teaching this like to students a lot. I always ask, everyone knows it, half of them by heart. Ask him, can you summarize for me what that means more is about? Hundred blank, you know, blank faces, by the way. Something, the word Truaz there probably. It's something about shofar. But what's the topic of the Mizmor? And everyone says it with pure Kavana. If you read the English, you still won't understand it. Because it's, Tehilim is structure, it's beautiful, it's poetry. If you don't, just like you won't understand poetry if you don't study poetry, you won't appreciate Tehilim until you study it. So the same thing here. Now, how do we know that on Shalosh Regalim, there's an obligation to what's called Aliyah Regal? It's a Pasuk in Chumash, right? Over and over again. Shalosh Pabim Bashana, so that's the, that's the main part of, that's every, every single Musaf begins that way. We, we quote the Korban from Parshat Pinchas, and we're finished with Musaf. What happens now on page 333? We quote the Korban from Parshat Pinchas, and now we begin Malchiyot. Now in a good box, there should be, there should be like a little introduction here, Malchiyot begins. We begin with Aleinu. What I want to show you, Aleinu, which we all know by heart, is the theme of Rosh Hashanah, and the theme of Tanakh, of this Big marketing scheme. What are we saying there? If, if the theme is that God entered a covenant with the nation, chose Abraham Vinu, to begin a nation that's going to represent God. How we represent God will be, we'll find out in Harsina. We'll get the detailed plan. But the concept begins in Chumash. What's going to be the strategy of this marketing scheme? How is all mankind going to hear about God? Well, a, we have to spread the word. But if you spread the word, who's going to listen to us? First, we have to be convinced of ourselves that God exists. We have to spread the word among ourselves. We can gather together three times a day and don't stop talking about God. We can eat an apple and talk about God. Remember, there's like, I mean, God has so many different names in our vocabulary. There's Amir Hashem, there's Baruch Hashem, there's... Remember all of them? Chilo Hashem, Kiddush Hashem. The name is everywhere. Everything we do, we relate to God. If we talk about God all the time, we gather together three times a day. For example, what's the most ubiquitous prayer in the city? Ubiquitous means all over the place. 
I learned billboard last week. <laughs> Ashray is pretty good. Kaddish, even more. It's, it's so often that no one even realizes it. Kaddish, the, the main, Chati Kaddish, which, which is the main part of Kaddish, is a prayer for who? It's a prayer for God. It's a prayer for, for the sake of God. What are we hoping for? What's the highlight of Kaddish? Yehei Shmei Rabbam that his great name should be exalted. How is that supposed to happen? It's our obligation. Oh, you are bolded. It's our obligation to do what? To praise God. And it's our obligation to take Gula, to accept Rashid. Why is it our obligation and no one else's? Because that's why God chose us. That's why God didn't make us like that, that shin. Remember Shalom said of Gagarin? That's not the praise. Some, some English translations translate the shin as that. It can't be that. That's not the praise. That could be thanking. We're not thanking God. We're praising Him. The praise is Shunat Hashemayim how great He is. We're explaining to ourselves why is it our obligation to praise Him? Because that's why He chose us. How do we know about God? How do we know that we're Mishtachavim? What do we do? How are we privy to this knowledge of who God is? God gave us the Torah, Har Sinai. He entered a relationship with us, so we know. And if we know and understand it, and talk about Him, and act properly, that word, through passive education, will get out to mankind. We have to talk about Him, and not stop talking about Him, and praise Him. But let's say we talk about God 24-7. If we talk about Him, but at the same time, and at the same time, we follow all the mitzvot, the core values of Hamish. Our behaviors, just and upright, as individuals, as a nation. We're kind and just and ethical and take care of the poor and the needy. The way, just read Hamish. We do that. And we talk about God all the time. They call that in business a win-win. But what would happen if we talk about God all day long? But when we're not talking about God, how are we viewed by other people? We're obnoxious, we're haughty, we cheat, we steal, scheming all the time. If the same people talk about God all the time, are viewed in the eyes of the other nations as something disgusting, that we call, that's one of God, that's a chilo Hashem, that's an obvious chilo Hashem. And you'll find if you, when you study Tanakh, that's going to be a big theme. We're going to find that the worst tragedies in Jewish history, the Qurban, the, the fall of the first king, of the northern kingdom, in the time of Hiskiel, and later the fall of the Beit HaMikdash in the time of Yoshiel, and then it's pretty much, we, we, we were the most from than any time beforehand. Achaz was way worse than Chizkiel. But the first wave of Korban and the ten tribes and most of Yehuda are, are wiped out in the time of Chizkiel and he's the best king of them all. The best king as far as the Bessemekdash is concerned. But read Isaiah, you'll figure out what's going on, what's wrong. If we weren't talking about God all day long, if we weren't worshiping God in the Beit HaMikdash, so if we weren't nice to the poor and the needy, so no damage done. God's reputation isn't hurt. But if we spend all of our efforts talking about God all day long and praying all day long and gathering in the Beit HaMikdash and offering sacrifices, and praying, and when we leave the Beit HaMikdash, read Isaiah, we're rotten, then what's the Yeshayo say? What do I need it for? It's counterproductive. And that's why God has to bring a Korban. That's going to be one of the biggest themes in Nebim Akronim, almost cover to cover. Now, this theme in Alena, what are we saying? It's our obligation to praise God. Because that's why God chose us. Where do we do that every day in, in, in daily davening? When we, call, when we talk about davening on a daily basis, I call this sitter. Very little of the, of the daily sitter is about praying for our needs. What's the first big section of, of, the, of the sitter? What's the first section called? Sukkot Zimra. Are we asking for anything there? What's it all about? 
we're praising God. The next section, Shema. Are we asking for anything? From what you remember, why do we have to say Shema every day? To recognize that God exists. Our statement of monotheism? Wait, wait. In, in English a lot, you'll see at this point we have to accept our belief, we have to, we have to state our belief in the one and only God. Remember reading that? Chazal don't call it that, do they? Someone mumbled the right thing. What did Chazal call it? Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim. Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim is not a statement of monotheism. It's a statement of servitude. It's a pledge of allegiance. Listen to what you're saying. What are we saying in Shema? Hashem is our God, or Hashem is our boss. When you learn Sefer Varim, you'll see what that, what that phrase exactly means. Hashem is our boss, who we have this covenantal relationship with. Who is the God who we're serving? He's not just our God. Who is He? He's the one and only God. Chazal called a pledge of allegiance. There's a big difference if you say every day that God's my boss and I'm serving Him and His reputation is riding on my behavior. Understand, if, if someone understands that, if someone understands and believes it, then when they leave Shul, they'll be a totally different person. The transformation, when, when you dive in properly and understand what you're saying, the transformation doesn't take place at God's level. It takes place at your level. If a person internalizes that he serves God, and that's why God made him, and that's the meaning of being Jewish, and you represent God as a Jew, if you really believe that and understand that, of course your behavior will be good. And let's say you've done something bad in the past, and you deserve to be punished, but God's convinced that you're sincere, that you understand you made a mistake, and you do better next time. That gives God a very good reason not to punish you. That's how tefillah works. It's not a magic. If you don't understand it that way, then it turns into a magic incantation. Say these magic words. Say these magic words eight times, ten times, whatever it is. With five red strings. And this vending machine up in heaven is going to give me a good result. That's idol worship. But if, if you believe in the real one God, and you serve Him, and, you're, and, you, and your strategy in front of God is, I'm sincere, and I realize what I've done wrong. And I recognize that I have to serve you. And that's why I keep Torah. Then, there's a good reason why God, when He reviews you, when He evaluates you, He'll give you a good judgment. Because even though you might be deserving of punishment, I've convinced Him it's worthwhile for my boss to rehire me. At the time, that's the theme of Zichronot, pretty much. Remember, Zichronot is not remembering. Who needs to remember Zichronot? Who's remembering in Zichronot? Zichronot means to remember. What do we have to remember? God needs to remember or we need to remember? And what do we need to remember? That we're bad? What's the bracha we say? So who needs to remember? God can forget? What's the first thing we say? The first thing we say in Zichronot is God doesn't forget anything. There's no forgetfulness by God. So what's that about? Anyway, Zichronot or judgments? Say for Zichronot, is God judge. We have to remember that God remembers. But when God remembers, it means He judges. And when He judges, everything's taken into consideration. When you know that when God judges you, everything's taken into consideration, then theoretically, theoretically there would be a... You would simply have to feed all the data to a computer. Remember Rabbi Menechot Shuvah in the beginning? Feed on it. And then you'll figure out, are you going to pass or fail? It could be you're deserving of a, of a punishment. Maybe you have a majority or bad things. How are you going to get out of it? If God was a Republican, you'd have no hope, right? You understand what I'm getting at? In a law system, what's the danger of, of letting a murderer after 20 years out of jail? He's refined. He, he could be, be a tremendous asset to society now after 20 years. He put his time in. He's rehabilitated. He'll, he'll never commit crime again for sure, and he could be a tremendous asset to society. What's the point in letting him rot in jail? What do a Democrat say? Don't you know American politics, I think? Do I have it right? What do Democrats say? Let him out after, after two years. And who's to, who's to blame in the first place? 
society anyhow. Right? What do Republicans say? Let them run. Yeah. Why? Not just because of me. Because what will happen if you let him get away with murder? You're, they agree that he could be good, but the second they let him out of, out of, out of jail, Yonah was a Republican. Yonah? Wasn't he? You know stay for Yonah, don't you? That's exactly... What's Yonah saying? He believes in God. And he knows God's repentant, but what's, he's against that whole system. The second people know that I can sin and get away with it, the whole system falls apart. Ask any strict teacher. There's logic to that. Now, that was the logic before the Mabo, wasn't it? Before the flood. When the flood was over, we have the first covenant of the Bible. Don't we? The rainbow covenant. But the rainbow is a sign of the covenant. What's the covenant about? No more reset button. Which means we're now in a robe of tikkun. of fixing things. Now, by the way, what's Yonah's family name? What's his second name? Yonah, Ben, and Amitai. Everyone picked up on that, right? Emet. That's classic. But his first name is no less important. Because Yonah's, it's a flood story, isn't it? Yonah still holds from the, before the flood. What's the transition from the flood to our road? This is Yonah. By Noah. And there's a break, there's a covenant there. Remember, there's water, there's, there's, there's everything. 40 days, there's Hamas. There's, there's tons of things there. And when you do Yonah and a Tzach, is it a whole? No, it's not a whole day. Swallowed up in the, swallowed up in the, in Tereza. <laughs> the, what happens after the flood? God says, He makes a covenant with all mankind. Is there a similar situation later on where God says, I'm going to destroy everybody and make you and keep just you? Where someone's Motzechem B'nei Hashem? Moshe Rabbeinu. Any other similar between, between the flood and Moshe Rabbeinu? Between Noah and Moshe Rabbeinu? Oh, come on, you never realized that? The flood and Moshe Rabbeinu and Harsinai? 40 days and 40 nights. Motzechem B'nei Hashem. Vayinachem. There's tons of them. Again, that's a whole shir. But when, when, when you study Chumash, it's not a story about the flood. The flood story is about Harsinai. You have to take it seriously, not literally. The story is about a relationship with God. What really happened is irrelevant. It's interesting. But that's not the main point of Chumash. We don't need Chumash to tell us what happened. We don't need Chumash to tell us how God created. We need Chumash to tell us how, why He created. And God is powerful enough to make up a story. There's nothing, again, what really happened, you can argue from today to tomorrow. But if you believe in God and Nebuah, you learn from how God tells over the story. What really happened is interesting, but it's not has nothing to do with what you learn from this story. Now, God made this covenant after the flood, and then what does He do? Mankind starts over again. Do they sin again or not? When's the next sin? Do I plug up? They sin. What's the next story in Chumash? Can God just can God hit the reset button? No, He can't. So how is He going to fix things? How is He going to fix things now? The next story, he picks up from moving. Now we get to our source sheet finally. This year's almost over. Okay. Yeah. Pass these around. What I want you to go to the page on. The first page is Rosh Hashanah. There's three pages. We're going to play a game now called the name game. You've heard the name game? This to start off while the pages are going around. Noah had three sons, didn't he? We talked about Noah the Mabel. Important story. One, one small question. Noah had three sons. We know how much time we spend when we have to name a child. What name did they give to the first child? Shame. What's going on? Come on. Why is his son called Shame? It's so bland. What's going on? He just circled name and just said name? What kind of name is that? And no one since then has been named name. 
No one's named Shane. Where did that name come from? It's not by chance, and it's not by chance that we're the Semites, even though one third of the world should be Semites. It's not by chance when they hate us, they're called anti-Semites. It's, I don't know why they do it, but it's, it's amazing how mankind picked that name for us. It's reminding us of something. Now, the first time we have this theme of God's name, and not by chance, is at the end of the first section of Chumash, where things go downhill. God makes man in Gan Eden. There's a great line about it's going around. I heard last week from somebody that wise man kicked out of Gan Eden, not because he sinned. It's because he blamed it on his wife. <laughs> and God said, you don't understand what a relationship is. If that's what you're doing, you don't understand relationships, then therefore you don't belong in Gan Eden. Back to the topic now. Outside Gan Eden, Kain and Hevel. Murder. Man sins again. Upset. That story's over. Adam and Eve say, let's try another kid. First two didn't work. Try another one. They have a kid named Shade. And Shade has a son named, mysteriously, what name? Enosh. How do we say mankind in Hebrew? Enosh. At the very end of chapter 4, no one's paying attention because it's Hamishi Shish, it's like Shishi Shvi. Chumish sneaks a little line in there, a cliffhanger, at the end of Paragdala, that rarely we pay attention to, except Chazal did. It's at Lushet Gamhu Yulad Ben, it's source A, chapter 4. Lushet Gamhu Yulad Ben, like Rachmo Enosh. At the page it says Mankind and Shem Hashem. The first page says Rosh Hashanah. The second page, the, behind it, is the page that says Mankind and Shem Hashem. See it? By that time we'll go back to Rosh Hashanah later. There's a theme that says, See that first passage? At the end it says, What happened? There's two ways to translate this passage. And get used to Chumash. Chumash is intentionally ambiguous. Everyone's bothered by how come there's always these arguments between commentators. Why is Rosh and Ramban fighting all the time? God wanted that to happen. It's not, it's not Shulchan Aruch. Chumash is it, it's a matrix. It's, it's way deeper. It's, it's a, like a hologram. Because intentional ambiguity, because you can learn tons of things from one, from one Pasuk. But Chazal called Kapatishi Fotzei Tzela. Now, Asu Chalik Rav Hashem Hashem Kameen, then man began to call in God's name. Most commentators say man began to profane God's name. If you see the, the JPS translation, it'll say we began. Read the Arsenal translation, it'll say, because always follows Rashi, it'll be he profaned, or based, or debased, whatever it was called in English. It's a legitimate argument, but the main phrase here is something went wrong because this leads into the flood. But the phrase like Rabbi Hashem Hashem is going to come up again. In the meantime, we have the flood. God recreates. Man sins again with the Tower of Babel. What was the sin of the builders of the Tower of Babel? It's hard to identify, but there's one thing that's clear. Building a city, there's nothing wrong with that. Gathering together. Industrial revolution. Building a city, building a uh, tower is fine. But what was the goal of all that building? Who are they making a name for? For themselves. And God says, can't go on that way. The next source, Avravin was finally chosen. He makes Aliyah, goes to Shem, ends up the high point. He goes to Bethel. Bethel, not by chance, Bethel. He builds him his bath there. And what does he do in Bethel? Things go downhill. When things are getting fixed now, what's Abraham going to do? He calls out in God's name. Then he goes down to Egypt with the famine, comes back from Egypt, the very good Gemel. Guess what he does? Back to the same Mizbeach, and again he calls out in God's name. On Rosh Hashanah, we're going to read a similar story. He makes a treaty with Abimelech, doesn't he? He rebukes them for stealing. And then they finally make a deal, and a treaty in Beersheba. The deal's over, we have a good relationship with the nations. And what's Avram doing in Beersheba? What's he plan? Everybody knows. Yes. 
Whatever that is, Rashi. First, I call it the first Chabad house. <laughs> that's what Rashi explains. And what's he do? Because that's on a major travel route. He comes in, and the people say, thank you for the hospitality. What's Abraham Vino say? Don't thank me. Thank Hashem. And what's it say there? By Kravam, Sham B'Shem Hashem Kelolam. I think even after, the next parak after the Akedah, what's the last line after the Akedah? The last line of the Akedah, where's Abraham returned to? It says, he goes back, Why tell us that? What I think is that despite all that, or after all that, he goes back to his same, he goes back to his mission. You think he'd give up after that? The fact that he returns to Be'er Sheva, to his Eshel, and continues his work, something worth noting. You find the same thing by Yitzchak later on. Later on, what's the Beit HaMikdash going to be called? All through Sefer Tvarim. HaMakom HaShariv Chara Hashem, V'Shakein Shmo Sham. But when do we build this house for God's name? When do we go public? David wants to build it, but he can't do it yet. Why? Amiso as a nation isn't ready to go public yet because the people still hate us. We don't get along with each other and we're at war with our neighbors. When is it okay to build a house and make God's name known for all mankind? When we have peace with our neighbors and everything's set. Then it's time to go public. And therefore, the next source, when Shlomo finally builds the Beit HaMikdash, and it's a place of tefillah, where's that from? Can we say that in Davening somewhere? Right before Shemak Haleinu? Remember, what are we hoping for? That the Beit HaMikdash we're hoping will be rebuilt will be a place of prayer for all mankind. But what's going to be the goal? Take, let, let me quote Shlomo Amela. He says the same thing in Source D. Shlomo Amela has a very long prayer when the Beit HaMikdash is being dedicated. He talks about when there's a famine we'll pray to you here, when there's a war we'll pray to you. On and on and on. Finally, for the highlight he says, I'll just um, translate... As we go on in verse 41, and even for the non-Jew, who's not from your nation, he'll go to your land for why? Because he hears about you. You're famous. Remember the business model? It's starting to work. They'll hear your great name and all the great things you've done. What does Shomo ask God to do for the visitor, the non-Jewish visitor who comes? Listen to his prayer. Why? So that all mankind will know your name and to fear you just like Your name and reputation is on this house. Now you understand why there's no point in building a temple until people look up to us? When does it finally work? In Torsi, who comes to visit? The queen, everyone knows the Queen of Sheba's story. But why is it in Tanakh? Not everything that happens is in Tanakh. But Queen of Sheba's visit is, what did she hear about? She doesn't hear about God first. What she hear about first? She hears about Shlomo, his culture, his wisdom, his army, his business. He's a first-rate country now. But everything that Shlomo does, what does he say about it? It's all the Shem Hashem. And therefore, when she comes to visit to see how great Shlomo is, what she find out about? Who does Shlomo attribute all that greatness to? To God. All through Tehillim, you have the same idea. David Melech is really great. But he says, I'm a nobody. In classic Muslim, in Judaism, to be a nobody, you have to be a somebody. <laughs> there's no point in being a nobody if you're a nobody. <laughs> Saying in front of God, I'm a nobody, only is meaningful if you're really a somebody. <laughs> and, and therefore, the goal is to be a somebody, but attribute it all to God. That's, that's exactly why David is chosen over anybody else. That's what makes him the, the, the model for Machut. The other side of Rosh Hashanah, we're not going to have time to go into all that, on, on the flip side, but I want to conclude the share now. And try to understand, in light of that theme, I want to quickly go over, in an unfair way, I want to do a quick 
review of Chumash, of how this theme plays itself out, and then we'll see how we, it's exactly what we talk about in davening. And in that way, I want to prove my point that one of the best commentators on the theme of the Bible is going to be the sitter. What I'm explaining could be, you know, I'm just making it up. But I want to show you what I'm talking about. You talk about every day when you daven. But sitter didn't make it up either. The sitter is deriving that from things that are in Chumash. So Avraham Avinu was chosen. Does God make a covenant with Avraham Avinu? Do yeah. either. If you, for homework, if you look at the wording of Brit Akeshet, the Rainbow Covenant, and Brit Milah, what we call circumcision, it's identical words. Vakimotit Briti, it's the same, same name of God. It's, it's the same type of words, same type of wording, same type of language. And there's a covenant, and there's a sign of the covenant. Remember, a, a, a Brit and an oath Brit. What we call Brit Milah, we all call it a bris. What's the covenant of Brit Milah? You understand my question? Everyone's been to a bris. But if someone asks you, what's the covenant of Brit Milah? Everyone's dumbfounded, right? Circumcision is not the covenant. What's circumcision? It's an oath Just like the rainbow is not the covenant, the covenant is no more reset button. The reminder of the covenant is the, is the rainbow, and a significant one. The reminder of Brit Milah is circumcision. But the words of Brit Milah is liot lachal Elohim. It's everywhere through Chumash. It's, you take, it's Perik Yudzayin plus Exayin. Chumash, do it for homework. You can find where Brit Milah is. Chapter 17. Compare it to Perik Ted. Compare them. For homework, if you're bored. I'm yeah, waiting for the Sheikh Tzibur or something on Rosh Hashanah. You can start flipping pages. But l- listen to what happens. What happens is, is that we have the same pattern of covenant, but because God said, the first covenant was God can't hit the reset button. How are we going to fix things now? God enters a new covenant to upgrade the first covenant. To make, to make the covenant workable. The covenant is that I'm your God. What's the corollary of Leot Machal Elohim? Atem Tuli La'am. We were told last week, Atem Nitzabim Ayom, Laman Akim Otcha Hayom Lo La'am, Vuyel Machal Elohim. We drink to this at the Seder, don't we? Remember the four cups? Cup number one, Votzeiti, Vitzauti, Vigaalti, Finish with the Lakati, Vilakati, Etchem. That phrase is everywhere. On, Rosh, on Yom Kippur, that song we sing a thousand times. It's the same thing, poetically, ten different times. That's the core covenant that we're a nation representing God. It's not protexia. It's not about privilege. It's about responsibility. That's Kabbalat Omachut Shemaim. And that's what Kabbalat, when you understand that, the purpose of the relationship is God wants a nation that's going to represent Him. That's going to be a theme that goes cover to cover. That's the, the core theme of uh, Brit Milah. And God sets aside as a vehicle for that covenant, the land of Israel and Brit Milah. But what God is doing, I'll use an analogy here, it's a test tube baby. Maybe that's a bad one. Maybe the word is cloning. God wants a nation, doesn't he? To represent him. He could have taken a ready-made nation. He could have gone to Italy, wonderful people, wonderful land. And all the Italians living in Italy, that's the people. He doesn't take a ready-made nation. What does he do instead? He picks a seed. That's why I'm comparing it to a... What's the name for that? In vitro. In vitro. When you, when you test two baby thing. We, we take the seed. Yeah. And then and under the microscope, I'll take Avram's seed and then refine it to Yitzchak and then to Yaakov. And then finally, from Yaakov on, everyone's chosen. What's going to be the womb? Mitzrayim will be the womb. It's going to be a long... In fact, Chazal talk about coming out of Egypt. It's Chavlei Leidah. 
They compare it to a birthing. Even the water breaks, if you take the analogy too far. <laughs> we come out and you know, God finds us in the desert. We, all these took me heaven now, the Seder also. Speaking from Yechezka, to use that analogy. We're born as a nation. Coming out of Egypt, in the desert. As a nation, we redo the covenant at Har Sinai. That's Brit Sinai. And there we get the detailed plan. Then we have to say the covenant again. You'll be not just an individual representing God. You'll be a nation representing God. When an individual represents God, I expect top-notch behavior. If there's a judge or a rep or somebody, a person of, of an important position in the community, people expect him to act better than everybody else. Correct? No. Okay. <laughs> At least they used to. Now, if you're representing God, you have to be, because God's Kadosh, you have to be Kadosh. Where do we get a list of behavior that we have to keep because we as individuals represent God? We have a beautiful chapter in Chumash that gives a whole guide of because you represent God, here's how you have to act. Kudosh, that's chapter 19. That's Toshim to you. Remember? Um, all things we don't hold by. Do we pass it that way? No. That means not to be, you know, I didn't help you, but I'm, you know, if you didn't help me, I won't help you kind of thing. Um, everyone knows Kudoshim to you. Now, but being Jewish is not just representing God as an individual. We represent God as a nation. We have exemplary behavior as a nation. Are the laws about how our army has to fight battles? Yes. Are the laws about how our political leaders have to act? Yes. The laws about how our judicial leaders have to act? Then we have to have a judicial system? Are the laws about our economic system, about social justice? What book did I just summarize? We just finished reading it. It's Tavarin. It's not a review of Chumash. It's the book of Matan Torah, but it's how a nation represents God. I'm just following that theme that as a nation, we represent God as individuals, as a nation, in the meantime, in the middle, as a community. What's our guide for how to do that? It's a nice idea, oh, let's represent God and be good people. If you don't have a detailed plan, forget it. That's, that's where halacha comes in. Without halacha, everything falls apart. You say, oh, I want to be a good person. That's going to last maybe two years. To keep this going for thousands of years, you have to have a rigid halachic system. Without that, you got nothing. But if all you have is a halachic system and no machshava, no understanding behind it, you have robots. And you can have what the Ramban calls, exactly Toshim to you, Nabab Torah. If you don't see the bigger picture, what Rabbi was talking about, the forest through the trees, you can follow every law and still be a bum. The Chumash will never give you, that's what's called Hayashah Ben Hashem. Tremendous Rambans, all through Chumash on that idea. That the, the laws of Chumash are dots on a graph and you have to connect the dots. You have to figure out what would God want from me in this situation. Based on the laws that He gave me. But I need a detailed set of laws, Matan Torah. Before we say Shema every day, remember what Chazal calls Shema? Not, it's, Shema is not saying I believe in God. I assume I believe in God. Shema is saying, I, I understand, I pledge my allegiance that God's my boss. Before we say Shema, what do we have to do? Before, but halacha, give, give me halacha for a minute. In the morning, before you say Shema, what do you need to do? Big, wider. Where's my halacha? Before Shema, forget that. Two, before you eat an apple, what do you have to do? Like, before you take a lula, before you, shake, before you do a mitzvah, what do you have to do? Make a bracha. Why do you make a bracha? To connect your head to what you're doing. Before you say Shema, you have two brachot. What's the topic of the first bracha? Creation. What about creation? That there's one creator. That's Hashem Echad. The first bracha is the statement of monotheism. It's a bracha in the first chapter of Rashid. It's not by chance it's the first chapter of the Bible. It's about that there's one God, and only even though there appears to be many, there's only one God. 
And I, and I affirm that. Before I can say Shema, I have to state my belief that there's one God. I can't pledge allegiance to a God I don't believe in. First I state I believe in that one God, even though there appears to be many, and he's Yotzeh HaMoro. <coughs> then what's the second blessing about? What about that God chose us to serve him? That's Hashem Elokeinu. We're about to say that the God who I'm, a, who I'm his covenantal partner chose me to serve him, and I pledge my allegiance to him. First I say, who is this God? And then I say, I thank God for choosing me to serve him. What God did God give me so I know how to serve him? And what do we say in Abraham? We ask God, it, it counts as a blessing on the Torah, we ask God, help us be efficient in our study. Remember, we're asking God that our Torah learning, we, we state that our guide for how to serve God is the Torah, and we state our hope, our tremendous hope that we'll be successful, that we'll be efficient, and follow Him properly. We want to do a good job, we want to make sure we do the job well and understand this Torah properly. So there you have the same idea. I'm saying there's things that all through Chumash that you see all through Davani. The word Ava is all through Sefer Tvarim. Again, that's the Shir and Tvarim. What, all the words in Davani, they're so beautiful when you see where they're coming from in Chumash. Now, we get through the desert. The first generation doesn't make it because, not because they sin with the, with the spies. You know why the first generation doesn't go in? Because they're not ready. What's the sign they're not ready? The spies. It's, it's, it's accumulative. The spies is the straw that breaks the camel's back. We don't go in until we're ready. God's got to bring up a new generation and get them ready. Finally, the new generation is ready. And then we begin the theme already. And what's it the story of? Does the Jewish nation get the job done, yes or no? And it takes a long time. And the books aren't about what happened, but the prophets are coming. The job of the prophet, and we'll end with this idea, the job of the prophet is not to predict history, it's to shape history. And that's going to guide you through your study of Tanakh. The second you get out of your head that they're prophets. They're not prophets in the modern day sense. It's not, a, it's not a contest. Who makes the best predictions? Who's got the best track record of making predictions? And you're the Navi and everyone kisses your hand and gets schoolless from them. That's not a Navi in Tanakh. I always joke around that we pray for Elijah and we need Isaiah. When do we need miracles? Through Jewish history we need miracles when the question of God's existence is in question. Coming out of Egypt we don't know who God is. Why do we need miracles? We need miracles when, we, when we're really weak, when we don't realize who God is. In the time of Eliel, we believe in the Baal, there's Achav and all the, there's all this idol worship of the Baal God. It's not clear who God is. I need a miracle to make it crystal clear that Hashem Elohim. Once it's clear to me who God is, I don't need miracles anymore. Now I need Isaiah. Now what do I need to know? How to serve Him. I don't need a miracle to tell me how to serve Him. I need a miracle to prove that He exists. Once He exists, I need a guide of how, how, what does God want me to do. That's Isaiah. The great prophets don't do miracles and don't make predictions what's going to be. They warn you. They, they try to shape history. If you follow this way, there's no reason why God would punish you. If you do a lousy job representing me, I have to punish you. That's all the talk of Chumash. That's the second parasha of Kriyachim all the time. So that's going to be the theme through Nevim, through Nevim Rishonim and then detailed in Nevim Achronim where it gets really complicated. Because the people have this idea that God works for them instead of they working for God. And they have to fight that all the time. Things haven't changed too much. Now, we have to finish. I want to finish with the last page about davening. Um, I'll show a couple of other things in Aleinu. Remember how Machiot is built? I want to again emphasize, again, I'll show you how what we say in Tefillah every day, because I picked Machiot, not because of Rosh Hashanah, because we say Aleinu every day. And you'll see why, why 800 years ago, they began this beautiful custom of saying it as we leave Shul. 
Rav Sabato called this um, Tefillat Adera. <laughs> I explained at the beginning, it's our obligation to praise God, because that's why He chose us. And how do we praise Him? That He's the greatest and He's, he's the God of all, all mankind. Then, see the second paragraph, we're standing our hope. What's our hope? That we should soon see your, your greatness. To get rid of all the idol worship from the land. Then the famous phrase, we want to fix mankind because God can't hit the reset button again. We have to fix it. We can't buy a new one, we have to fix it. We're chosen to help as, as God's agent to help fix it. Remember the idea of calling out in God's name? Not only are we going to do it, if we do it, if we're experts at it, all mankind will do that. But the assumption here is that the belief in God is not something intellectual, it's something behavioral. I'll explain that again because it's key. To believe in God, in, in, at least in Tanakh, is not, if someone believes in God, the assumption is he'll, he'll act properly. And if you don't believe in God, you can, you'll be rotten. To the point that if you're acting rotten, it's a proof you don't believe in God. You know Rav Cook's famous line with Brenner? Way back? Rav Brenner was like the head of the secular Jews in the 1920s. So Rav Cook told him, the God that you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. <laughs> One of Rav Cook's greatest lines. It's a classic. He's saying, why don't you believe in God? Or, or Brahmita always says that every secular Jew has a God that he doesn't believe in. <laughs> and that's why he doesn't believe. Because the way he understands God, he says, that can't be God. How does he get to the conclusion of what God is? Based on the religious people. That's how we deal with us. It's our fault, that it's the religious people's fault that there's secular Jews. Then the Akirvin and This will get rid of, of wickedness. And all mankind will recognize that everyone should bow down to you and not other gods. And everyone should makabel because you're, you're the only king. That's the theme of Chumash. It's right in Aleinu. And then we start quoting Psukim 3.3.3. The last Pasuk, there's plenty of Psukim with Melech. What, what's the last Pasuk of Malchiyot? Shema Yisrael. doesn't say the word Melech. The Lord brings it down in, in the second Rosh Hashanah. But it implies Malchut. Because that's Kabbalah, Malchut Shemayim. And therefore, the enduring understanding of Rosh Hashanah davening is, it's our obligation and responsibility to make God great. There's a danger in all this, which leads Mamish to Christianity. I will try to explain why. The danger is if this is the whole game, so just be a good person. You follow? You, you said how, how this idea, this seeing the forest through the trees, you begin to neglect the trees, and, and it happens all the time. That's why you have to be really, really careful of the thematic approach. It's super dangerous because you say, oh, I get the big point, so what difference does it make if I do Borer? You follow? And the whole thing goes down the drain. There's a danger in seeing a big thematic picture because it, ask any general, the first thing you teach your soldiers in the army is follow orders. Right? And don't think. After you follow orders and don't think for five, ten years as a soldier, then we can start taking the officer training. Same thing in our education system. You don't teach us in first grade, in tenth grade even. In first grade you teach, you keep halal, you follow everything. And, you, and that has to be embedded in you. It's going to be ingrained in you. As you get older and things are doing by rote, you begin to understand the bigger picture better. That enhances the halacha you keep. Now, no one knows for sure the reason for every single one, and you keep them because you keep them. Understanding mitzvot is hidur mitzvah. It'll help appreciate what you're doing and help you guide you when you, when you have to make difficult calls. In addition to that, there's a topic, I talked about Judaism. There's another topic I like to call religion. And they're not the same. Religion is universal. Religion is when a person connects to God. Because that's the bigger thing in the Bible. That's where Hasidot gets in. That there's a goal of every, God's, every man is made with Elohim. And there's a need of man to reconnect to something greater and bigger. What we call Ruchnis. That's open for all mankind. We have a head start. 
Why do we have a head start? If we're working for the boss, if we have a special job, we for that, that gives us protection. It's easier for us as the Jewish people to be, to become religious, to develop a connection to God because we're working, we have an in. And, and therefore what happens is, is that we take advantage of that and we should. But if you just take the protection and don't do your job at the same time, that's what's called me'ilah, that's, that's bad. If you take all the privileges I give you and don't take the responsibility, then that's bad. If you see all the mitzvot that you have and the job as a responsibility, that they can enhance how you act and gives you guidance of how to, how, to, how to lead a life. But the advantage of all this is this can make me a more Ruhani person. So as you study, as they, they conclude, there's tons again, like Rabbi Sadmit said in the beginning, that there's a bigger picture going on tonight. It should only be for adults, in my opinion. And the high school, maybe. You begin talking these topics. It's not healthy to teach it to younger, younger kids. But I think for adults it's important. And the goal of the Tat Mishnah program is to have a better appreciation, not only of what's written, not just to be Yodeya Sefer, not to know, oh, so I can quote Sukim for a Chidona Tanakh and I can get a reward. But if you understand what's happening in Tanakh, you'll appreciate your Judaism better, you'll understand your, your Tfilot better, Tfilot will be meaningful, you'll understand them, you can appreciate them, you can dive with Kavana and Havana. It'll help guide you in difficult situations in life. When you turn to prayer, prayer can be much more, it's much deeper and more meaningful when it begins to make sense. So hopefully I'll leave you with the, the opening blessing. What's the blessing that Abravinu got when he was first chosen? Remember that blessing? It'll be a blessing. Because <laughs> the biggest blessing man can have that he's a giver and not a taker. So the same thing to your community. Is a, you have a wonderful community here also that, and you definitely are givers and not takers. And you should continue to be much better in that and grow, continue to grow and prosper and be able to spread this idea. You have a tremendous uh, opportunity to do that, not as individuals, also as a community and part of a greater nation. So, Batzlachayim, Shana Tovati Chatevo Betichatim.